what are you doing here? I, and I don't mean like physically, time and space, what are you doing here? I mean it in that broader philosophical, what are you doing here? Like, what is this, what is this all about, this life thing all about? And, and that's, that's probably a, a, a deeper question for some of you. You're so busy all the time, you don't ask yourself questions like this unless you're a student in school studying philosophy, then that's probably all you talk about. But for most of us, when somebody asks us, what are you doing here? Uh, you know, the easy answer is what we actually do, right? Because it's what are you doing here? We, we tell them what we do. It might be what you do for a living. You might say, well, I, I make stuff, right? It might be really good stuff, but I, I, this is what I do. I make stuff for a living, and that's why I'm here. And some of you might, you might take that stuff that somebody makes, and you might sell that stuff. And so... That's kind of your thing. And uh, some of you would say, well, I don't really make stuff or sell stuff, but I buy stuff. I'm really good at that. And so that's what you do. And some of you are thinking, wow, there's just a lot of stuff. Um, there might be some of you who work in the healthcare, or you are nonprofit, and you work with other people who don't have the stuff that they should have, and you try to help them to get the stuff that other people sell and make. Whew. It's just a lot of stuff, and really when it all comes down to it, even students, you're in school and you're learning how to manage life so that you can make stuff to sell stuff, to buy stuff, to give stuff, to, yeah, it's just, this can go kind of down a, a dark path really quickly if you, if you sit and dwell on the fact that, why am I here? Am I just here to do what I'm doing right now? Is this it? Because if it is, it doesn't seem like it's enough. And, and we can go down that path, and some people even in Scripture have gone down that path. King Solomon, the wisest king, the Scripture tells us, he had this to say. The words of the teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem, meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, utterly meaningless, everything is meaningless. This is the word of the Lord. Yeah, there's a few of you, but you didn't want to say it, because... That just doesn't sound like a good response to this, <laughs> to this passage, uh, thanks be to God, right? It, it, it can take us to a dark place unless, unless we realize that there is something greater, something more that is happening, and there's a different reason as to why we're here. And if you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, you can go to a dark place. But the scriptures teach us something different that there is something about why we are here. The Westminster Catechism, which takes all of Scripture and kind of puts it into a, a simple discipleship for us, uh, they, they have a statement that the chief end of humanity is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Meaning, the reason we are here, why we are here, is because God wants to have a relationship with us. We are made to have a relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that's part of why we are here, to begin a relationship with God and for all eternity have a relationship with God. So it's about that relationship. And you might say, yeah, but there's people who don't have a relationship with God. Why are they here? It's because God wants to give them an opportunity that they might hear the good news that Jesus has come for them so that they too might respond and have a relationship with God, not only now, but for all eternity. 
So there's really two things, two, two types of people, people who have a relationship with God and those who don't. And the purpose for both is very similar. That God wants to have a relationship with us. And some of us have that, and we should be sharing that relationship. Some of us don't. And God has given us a time and space in order for people to respond that they too might come to know Christ. So, what are you doing here? Well, we are here to help people discover the presence of God in our world. That, that really is what it means to be a believer. The reason God has us here is not just because of the stuff, but it's so that we can help other people to discover what we have discovered, a relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, we call this, there's a word for this, and in the church we call it evangelism, but it doesn't always have a great name. Like evangelism for a lot of people isn't a very comforting thing because oftentimes we picture people with bullhorns, maybe handing out tracts, telling other people that if they don't turn, they're going to burn, right? It's, it's that kind of, uh, in our culture, evangelism in, in the past has taken that on. And that's not what, what the scripture, that's not how it was presented in scripture. And here's what I mean. Evangelism is a word that we see in scripture. If you break it down, the first prefix in the Greek means good. It's not something bad. It's not something you point at someone and say, this is bad news for you. No, this is good. The word angel, we know this means messenger, right? Or messenger of God. And so evangelism is proclaiming the, the good message, right? It's, it's the good news of Jesus. It's what we call the gospel. So evangelism is proclaiming the gospel. And that's why we're here. If you are here to help others discover God in our world, then you are a good news proclaimer. You're an evangelist. So say that with me. This might be strange for you, but just say, I am an evangelist. I don't think you're convinced, so say it one more time. I am an evangelist. I am an evangelist. Yeah, some of you have never thought about that, have you? <laughs> some of you, that might bother you a little bit. But really, the scriptures t tell us that if you have a relationship with God, that's, that's why you are here. You are a proclaimer of the good news. And that means wherever you go, you take that with you. Now, Pete did a, a, a great job last week talking about uh, the Holy Spirit. But before we get there, uh, let me just say this. If our job is to help people discover the presence of God in our world, the, the question then is how? How do I do that? And the answer is, you can't. You yourself cannot do this. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5 that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. That is, Jesus was connecting people who didn't know his father, and he was saying, let me show you the way. He was not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us, you and I, the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God was making his appeal through us. What Jesus was doing and reaching out and going, oh, you don't know the Father? Let me show you the way. He has given to us that message. We are the ones now representing Christ in our world. But you and I cannot do this on our own, which is why God did not leave us as orphans, but he gave us the Holy Spirit. 
The Holy Spirit was given to fill us so that we might have the insight, the power, the words to say, the guidance, because it's not, it's not you and I doing it. It's the Holy Spirit working through us that helps other people discover God in our world. And as I said, Pete last week walked us through that the Holy Spirit's not something that just showed up at some point in time, but is a part of the Trinity. And the Holy Spirit was there at creation and all throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament and is present even here now. And so I want us to look back at the role of the Holy Spirit in this evangelism, this proclamation, and what that looked like from Old Testament to New Testament so that you and I can understand that we're a part of something that the Holy Spirit was made for, that the Holy Spirit has made us for. And so we're going to start um, in the Old Testament. Before we get there, I, I do have a little, there might be a few pop quizzes today. So in the Old Testament, there's several unique ways that the Holy Spirit did show up. But when it comes to this idea of proclamation and revealing who God is in the world, the very first person in the Old Testament to be filled with the Holy Spirit was a man that many of you will probably know. His name is... Bezalel, <laughs> which you all knew, right? So, right? There's one over here, and I figured she might know. So Bezalel was the first person in the Old Testament to be filled with the Holy Spirit, which strikes me as odd when you look at the Old Testament, because it wasn't Abraham, it wasn't Isaac, it wasn't Jacob, it wasn't Moses, it was this individual that most of us don't even know. And so it you have to ask yourself the question, so why was it so important that the Holy Spirit, the very first person, what was it that they did, and why did the Holy Spirit fill them? Let's see if we can catch, catch on here. I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills. So the Holy Spirit fills, scholars disagree as to whether or not this is like the New Testament or not, but certainly it is something very unique and powerful to happen to this Bezalel. He filled him with all kinds of knowledge and wisdom and skills because Bezalel was the one who would build the tabernacle where the presence of God would be for all of Israel. So Bezalel, he, you know, he designed and built and, and with, with a team, but he designed everything for the, for the curtains and the, and the water basin and the candle and the altar and the Ark of the Covenant that Indiana Jones discovered and all that stuff. He did all of that. And when the temple was finally completed, God's presence came and dwelt with the people of God. And there was something unique about God's presence there throughout the time of the wilderness, the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle. God revealed himself in a cloud over the tabernacle by day, and fire was in the cloud by night in the sight of all Israel during their travels. So a couple of things. How does a cloud stay in place over a tabernacle with everything going on? Well, the answer is wind. I don't want you to forget this. It'll come back in another quiz, right? So wind and fire represented the very presence of God in the community. Bezalel was filled with the Holy Spirit so that the tabernacle could be built, so that the people of God in the whole world could go, where's God again? Oh, he's right there. 
Bezalel was filled with the Holy Spirit so that he could help people discover the presence of God in the world. I think there's a theme here. Anywhere Israel went, they could go, there's God. There he is. Fast forward, New Testament. The very first person in the New Testament to be filled with the Holy Spirit, some of you might know this one, was... Okay. Uh, John the Baptist. John the Baptist, even before he was born. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. Why? To make ready a people prepared for the Lord. John the Baptist, even before birth, was filled with the Holy Spirit so that he could grow up. And what did John the Baptist do? He baptized, and he showed people where God was in the person of Jesus Christ. People would come to John, and they'd go, oh, where's God? He's right there. There is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Disciples of John would question, and John would go, you don't need to follow me. Go follow him. And John and Andrew did. They became two of the 12 disciples. It's because John said, listen, it's not about me. Let me show you the way. It's about Jesus. And here's the interesting thing. The apostle John, who was John the Baptist's disciple, there's a lot of Johns. Follow me. The apostle John, who became a disciple of Jesus, would write about Jesus in his gospel. And in John chapter 1, he described Jesus this way. He is the word of God in the flesh who dwelt among us. And the word dwelt there is the word tabernacled. God in the flesh camped out with us in the person of Jesus. Does that sound familiar? Where is God in the world? John was filled with the Holy Spirit to say, he's right there. You want to discover where God is? He's right there. He's in the person of Jesus. Fast forward. Jesus does something that we wouldn't expect. He dies, rises again, and then he leaves. Where is God's presence in the world? He's gone, right? But Jesus gathered his disciples, and he said, listen, guys, I love you. Peace out. And that's the that's urban dictionary translation, but... Uh, it's, not, it's not the English one that we use all the time. But Jesus gathers his disciples before he leaves, and this is what he says. They gathered around him and said, Lord, at this time, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses, my evangelists, my proclaimers of good news in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus says, oh, what I was doing, you just wait, because when the Holy Spirit shows up, you get to do this. And sure enough, 10 days later, on the day of Pentecost, they were together in one place, and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent what? Wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting, and they saw what seemed to be tongues of... Does this ring a bell at all? Okay. That separated and came to rest on each of them. (laughs) 
the wind and the fire, the presence of God, Jesus tabernacling among us, the presence of God, and now the Holy Spirit comes and rests on the disciples with wind and fire. Where is God? Where is his presence in the world? The disciples go, ah, he's right here. I am the presence of God in this world. He is in me. Wow. Peter and the disciples begin to uh, experience some amazing things. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. They go out into Jerusalem where nations are represented, and they're speaking in, for them, unknown languages, but the people are hearing the message of the good news in their own tongue, in their own language. Where is God? They're like, man, he is right there. And they are cut to the heart. They go, what do we do now? Peter says, repent and be baptized. And 3,000 get saved that day. They go from being over there to being over here in a relationship with God. The Holy Spirit fills the disciples so that they can point out and go, where is God in the world? Oh, I, let me tell you, he's right here. He's with me. And people respond over and over and over again. And it's not just those disciples, but the scripture tells us that every person who becomes a follower of Jesus Christ is filled with his spirit. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, do you not know that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You are a temple. You are a tabernacle of God. You are the presence of God in this world because of the Holy Spirit. It's not what you do. It's what the Holy Spirit is doing through you. And one of the primary roles of the Holy Spirit is to take people who are over there who don't have a relationship with God and help them to get over here where they do have a relationship with God and can enjoy him forever. Why are you here? You are here to be filled with the Holy Spirit to help people discover the presence of God in our world. That is why you and I are here. He fills us so that through the Holy Spirit, we can see people come to know God. I think that's exciting. I don't know about you, but I love this, the, the picture of the Old Testament and New Testament and how we continue to see the Spirit move in a similar way because his end goal is to help people discover where God is in our world. Why are you here? You're an evangelist. You're a proclaimer of good news. That means that you might make stuff but it's not just about making stuff. You take the very presence of God with you into the workplace where you make stuff. And his presence and his power goes with you. And when you enter in every day, you enter in with the same goal that the Holy Spirit has. How am I revealing God today in this space? Through the way I live, through the way I talk, through how I love other people. It's not about what I make, it's what I bring into this space. Now, you might sell stuff 
but it's not about the transaction of goods. It's about the proclamation of the good news. It's about talking to your customers, letting them know about the hope that you have in Jesus Christ because he dwells in you. You might just buy stuff, but it's not about the stuff you have. It's about God's provision for you in your life. I can keep going, but it's not about the stuff. It's about the Holy Spirit going with you and going before you into those places where you can share the good news of Jesus Christ. Some of us have forgotten why we're here. And we go in every day and we do all of these things because it's our job, it's our employment, it's we're learning in school. But there's something greater that the Holy Spirit wants to do through us. Some of us would be stretched if I asked the question, how many friends do you have who don't know Christ? It might be a really small number. Why is that? If one of your main reasons for being here is to help people discover where God is in our world, why have you limited it to other people who know the same thing that you know? Because that's why they're here. How do we get from here to out there? And that might be a challenge for some of you. What is your next step? Ask the Holy Spirit, where do you want me to go that I can build these relationships with people who don't know you? Because that's why I'm here. And that's why you filled me. For some of us, it's listening to the Holy Spirit. We go into those workplaces and we go into the schools and, and into our, the marketplace and in the community and neighborhoods, but we're not really sure. God, what do you want me to do? Well, the more time we spend abiding with God, listening, praying, worshiping, reading scripture, the more we become accustomed to his voice, the voice of the Holy Spirit, so that when we're in those spaces, we can hear the voice, we can experience the nudge of God to say, hey, go talk to that person in the corner. Ask them how they're doing. Ask so-and-so how you can pray for them. Tell so-and-so what God has been doing in your life this week. Whatever it might be, it, you can't program this, right? We'd like to, but you can't program this. The Holy Spirit is wind and fire, and if you get wind and fire raging, it, it's unstoppable. Just ask our friends in California. Like, it's, it's hard to stop. So it's not something we can put God in a box and go, man, if you do these three things, this is how it works. No, it's paying attention every day to the Holy Spirit and going, how do I reach out to those who don't know Christ? Now, we, we have a tool, I, I, I will call it that, a resource that our staff, our elders, our volunteers have been using. It's simply a blessed tool where we begin with prayer, people we're praying for who don't know Christ. We listen to them. We engage in relationship with them. We eat with them. We serve them or allow them to serve us. And then we share the gospel with them. This, but this is, this is just an instrument. This is a tool that we use, but something we've talked about here before. And it's an easy first step for many of you. It might be, I just need to come up with a prayer list. Who are the people that I'm praying for every day that the Holy Spirit would move in their lives? Whatever your next step is, just know that the Holy Spirit fills you and I so that we can help other people discover the presence of God in our world. That is why you are here. Let me pray. Lord, 
If nothing else, we just need to be reminded today that uh, throughout history, your spirit has moved in such a way to help us to discover who you are. I know that even in my own life, the pursuit of God through your spirit's work brought me to a place where I could respond to you. If there are those who are here today who think it's even strange that they're listening to this because they don't know you, but you've brought them into a space and time and they can look back and see how you've been moving in their life to bring them to this place where they understand that the God of creation has been moving all along in their life to bring them to a place where they can say yes. Lord, if, if they're listening today, maybe today's the day they just simply say yes to you. They find forgiveness and grace. May you fill them with the Holy Spirit as they decide to follow you and move from being over there to being here. And for those of us who are part of your church, Lord, your body, you have given us this great gift of the Holy Spirit. And the role of the Holy Spirit in evangelism is to work through us that people might discover you. Lord, wherever we're in that, Lord, give us a next step. Help us to do better at accomplishing the task for why you have placed us here that we would like to see others, friends, relatives, acquaintances, neighbors, colleagues, come to know you as their Savior. Lord, would you use us in a powerful way to do just that? We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen.